Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I would like to welcome Linda Cohen, who has been a professional speaker and a consultant for more than a decade and a member of the National Speakers Association. She works with business and associations on the ROI of kindness. Her first book, 1000 Mitzvahs, How Small Acts of Kindness Can Heal, Inspire, and Change Your Life was published by Seal Press. Her second book, The Economy of Kindness, How Kindness Transforms Your Bottom Line, was published in October 2021. We have so much to talk about today, Linda. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, I'm stoked that you're here with me. So let's just jump right into this because we've got a lot to cover today. So you ready? Yes, I am. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So before we delve into more of your professional background, can you describe your personal journey thus far in one word? Ooh, okay. Um, I don't think this is going to be my word. This will be a word that someone told me that I had to embrace. And that word is fearless. So yeah, I'll start with that um, because I had to sit with that as a gift to myself. (laughs) So, okay. Well, why that word? Tell us a bit more and how this has been a part of your journey or how you've embraced this. So I feel like I will say that in the beginning of this journey to become a professional speaker, I was probably a little naive, to be honest. You know, I wrote my first book and never having written a book before and got a publisher for it didn't know that that's sort of a hard thing to do or like not everybody out of the gate gets that opportunity, but I wasn't daunted by that for some naive reason. And so I have a close personal friend and maybe about eight or so years ago, she said, you know, Linda, you're fearless. Like you'll just try anything. You'll jump in, you know, you'll try things. And you wrote a book and, you know, you're speaking, you did a Ted talk, all these things that for me were just sort of putting one foot in front of the other and didn't necessarily feel like they were super courageous or anything. Um, but, but I kind of embraced that, that idea that, you know, leap and the net will appear. It's like a phrase and it's yeah. people talk about that. I think it's a, it's some kind of a beautiful saying mm-hmm. and I'm not sure who said it, but, um, but I guess that's where I say, you know what, I think sometimes being a little willing to step out of your comfort zone, which a lot of people are not so comfortable doing is something that I, I do try to do regularly. Yeah, well, bravo to you. That's awesome because I think really what holds a lot of people back is that first step, right? Taking that first step, recognizing that that's something that they want to do. And yet you've taken the first step, the second step, the third step. And here you are today doing all these incredible things. So let's get right into the topic of kindness. I see that word behind you. For those of you who are just hearing this, she's got choose kindness behind her. Let's talk about that word kindness and how this has been a focus for years for you and what prompted you to talk about this subject. I feel like honestly, this topic found me. When I got into this work, which is now, it was 2006, uh, when I really kind of fell into this topic, 
I found out that my father was dying of cancer. He called me and he told me he had less than a year. I was living on the West Coast in Portland. He was in Burlington, Vermont. And when I got that phone call, you know, it it kind of shook me because I was 38 and he was just turning 70. And yet I still felt like I was 16 and I still felt like he was parenting me. We were like stuck in a relationship where I was still a child. And I knew if I wanted to heal that before it was too late, I had to do something. So the next week I flew to Burlington, Vermont. I had two small kids at the time. I was the primary caregiver, but it was, it was important to do that. And that was the beginning of the last eight months of his life, which were really the this beautiful gift that I could not have imagined. My dad was a therapist. He was open to some healing and I'm getting chills just saying that to you because mm-hmm. it was such an opportunity for us to, um, to have another chapter. And so um, after he died, um, December 1st, 2006, which was my son's sixth birthday, um, which I think is not a coincidence, um, I woke up five weeks later with this idea, like I wanted to honor him. And so I took on this 1000 mitzvahs project, which is the title, one of the titles you said of my first book. And a mitzvah in Judaism is a good deed. It's an act of kindness. It's also Mm -hmm. a commandment. We have the the 10 commandments fall into that Mm -hmm. category, but I took on this project to heal some of the grief I was feeling. I mean, not only had it been, you know, eight incredible months that we had that were a gift. I was like, why was 38 years of our life? So what was such a struggle? And there was a little piece of me that was kind of sad about that. So that I took on this mitzvah project. I said, I'm going to do an act of kindness every day in honor of my father. I started a blog. I had no idea where that trajectory would take me. And, um, you know, 12 So, you know, 15 years later, here I am speaking about this topic and it morphed from a personal journey to move Mm -hmm. through grief to talking about it with schools and churches and houses of worship and nonprofits to finding a way to bring this conversation to businesses and leadership and management and talk about why is kindness so important in our world. And I think I could couldn't have envisioned even, you know, 10 years ago, how important this topic would become. And it has grown. There is so much research about it. Now I feel like kind of grateful that I've stayed in this work for so many years because I've seen the evolution of what people are sharing and the science behind it and the benefits of it and the opportunities that can come your way. If you are focusing on what are my choices? I don't always have choices in the world, but what can I choose today to do to make the world a better place? Yeah, well, I absolutely love that. And my next question was going to be, let's talk about your two incredible books, A Thousand Mitzvahs, How Small Acts of Kindness Can Heal, Inspire, and Change Your Life. And your second book, The Economy of Kindness, How Kindness Transforms Your Bottom Line. Tell us a bit more. Can you dive a little deeper into these books and how they can help someone really see the value of being both kind personally and in the professional milieu? Sure, sure. So the first book was, um, you know, largely a lot of the stories did come out of my blog. I had kept this blog. It took me two and a half years to do my thousand acts of kindness. I thought it would take a year. I'm like a type A personality. I was like, oh, three acts of kindness a day, you know, but at the end of the first year, I was only at a 500. And I will tell you that it had transformed how I walked through my life 
so much that I almost dragged my feet at the end. I didn't want it to end because it had been so beautiful. And, you know, and you wake up every day and I didn't know what was going to come, but I knew there were going to be miracles and magic and synchronicity. And so it was a really beautiful place to, you know, to hang out. Um, So the first book was really a a culmination of what was the action that I had taken and what was the lesson that I gleaned from it. And I'm Jewish. And so I, and I was raised in Vermont. So I was almost always the Jewish ambassador in a non-Jewish world. So I put into that book a lot of the things that I think are really beautiful in our tradition and our culture around mourning, around, you know, giving sadaka charity, around repairing the world. There are some really amazing Jewish concepts. So I put all of that in there. And a lot of the stories were about me as a full-time stay-at-home mom with my children at volunteering in the schools. You know, there were a lot of like family stories in that book. And for a lot of years, I, I just, I'm really proud of that work because it kind of just oozed out of me. And I didn't, like I said, like, I didn't know I was going to write a book. I would never have told you in my thirties that by my forties, I was going to write my first book. But five years ago, I really started speaking more to corporate audiences to businesses and associations. I work a lot in long-term care and healthcare and credit unions. And I just knew that the mitzvahs book was no longer really relevant to my audiences. And I knew I wanted to write another book. And so I started calling 1000 mitzvahs my first book. And so that I would tell myself, okay, Linda, you're going to be writing a second book, but oh my gosh, the idea was so daunting that I was like, oh, write a second book. I knew how much work it was, Uh, but COVID gate go COVID was like my opportunity because I wasn't traveling so much in 2020. I said, I'm going to write book number two. And I'm so grateful to be honest that I had the time to not be on the road and to be in my office every morning. I am a morning person. So at 5am, am many, many, many mornings. That's when I sat down to write the book. And so the second book is really the stories I've gleaned in five years, you know, plus doing this work with audiences. I have so many stories about the benefits of kindness in the workplace and how it affects your employees and recognition and autonomy and trust and your managers. And so it wasn't as hard to write, to be honest, because I felt like the stories were already there. And so I really just needed to pour them into the book. And I'm really happy this book uh, came out October of 2021. And I feel like because I often only get hired for an hour to do a keynote, you know, sometimes people hire me more and I'll do more deep dive work. I just feel like this is another tool that I can share with managers and leaders. Absolutely. You know, a lot of times I've heard over the years, especially in the eighties, in the nineties, these concepts such as kindness, connecting with your coworkers or your peers, having a better understanding of people that work underneath them. It's really interesting how that's been termed like soft skills and yet kindness and the return on the investment in relation to kindness is, as you said, magical. It creates synchronicity. There are so many things that come out of being kind. So how do we as a community, as professionals, really learn how to be kind, what that looks like, what that needs. Can you tell us a bit more about that? And does your book talk about that? 100%. 100%. I think there are tips and tools and ideas that I share that are, oh, so simple. This is an idea. I mean, honestly, when you are in a work like mine, it's like, who doesn't know about this? It sometimes stops me to say, Well, I'm talking about something that is not rocket science. And yet I remind people, I help them remember how 
simple it is. So I'll, I'll say just two things. When you talked about, you know, in the 80s and 90s, the thing I kept hearing a lot when I started this work was kindness is a weakness. And yes. that sort of was the rhetoric that people would talk about in the business world. And I have to say there, I feel like there has been seismic shifts because of the pandemic. People realize that an authentic leader, a leader who is vulnerable, I've seen it on LinkedIn, I've seen it in stories, I've seen it, you know, in all, in, in my audiences, when a manager is vulnerable, it makes them human. It makes them connect to the, to the employee in a way that they never would have, you know, being in zoom calls now where your cat is walking behind you or you're getting to see the children running around like you, that whole professionalism has gotten changed, you know, during the pandemic. So I feel like that has given us an opportunity to realize how important compassion and empathy and kindness are as leaders work with their employees. Another thing that you said is just that this is a soft skill. And I have also seen that organizations are saying I can hire I can train somebody for some new hard skills that they need, but I can't train them for the soft skills of being a kind person. So people are looking for that kindness in a potential employee as something they really want, because they know that that's the kind of employee they would want to have in their organization. And finally, I just want to say that um, I started asking audiences probably five years ago, you know, has a, tell us a time. And I usually will do this as a partner activity when we were live, but now I've started doing it as a, you know, a chat exercise or um, having people just in the zoom calls, share it, you know, share a time when a, when a manager or a coworker or your organization has showed kindness to you. Mm-hmm. And it's been incredible. Just the stories that have come out of that question. And I think that's part of how we can shift is by beginning conversations with kindness, with gratitude, with what has come up for you this week in our department that's been helpful, beneficial, because that's what you want more of. So if you are, if you are elevating the awareness of that, you will be able to focus on want, you know, on getting more of what you want. Oh, there's definitely a return on investment, a high return on investment when you show kindness, when it's genuine, when, as you said, you can be vulnerable, which in essence, means you're relatable to a lot more people. Totally. And so when people can connect with you in that vulnerable space and you are relatable, they show more compassion, more empathy, more understanding. And so they lean in. Totally. And they want to be part of something. So it's not just me, me, me. It's about the bigger picture. It's about the, the community. Right. The whole person. And I think we started seeing whole people during COVID because warts and all, we were there, you know, we had to be our absolute whole person and our whole person meant we had a whole person outside of the work environment that we were in that needed attention. You know, maybe it was children, it was adults, caregiving, whatever it was, there were other things outside of my job title that I needed to address. And so I think some of those conversations really became honest this year, the last couple of years. Yeah. I love what you do how you educate, how you work with people, because this is a super skill, actually. Mm -hmm. So kindness is a super skill. And the more we can harness what that means, what that looks like, and feel comfortable in being kind and practicing kindness, it makes such a difference. Because a lot of people haven't been taught these skills, especially in a professional environment. And you did see a lot of introspection happening during covid And so that's why, again, maybe it went to the grand resignation, the big resignation at the end of 2021. So 
Now we're looking at folks who want to be valued, who want right. understanding, who want to connect with others in their jobs because mm-hmm. they want to spend the majority of their time at a place that they like, where they feel valued and where they want to be essentially. Right. 100%. And if you, if your culture, so I say this, like people will leave your company for a variety of reasons. Maybe they are transferring their spouse, got a different job somewhere, whatever. There's another opportunity for them. All those reasons are valid, but you do not want somebody to leave your company because your culture stinks. Right. And <laughs> that's where I think organizations are starting to now have to reevaluate. What is my culture? Is my culture a place where people do feel appreciated and valued? If they just feel like they're a cog in the wheel, they aren't long for my company or right. my organization because there are other choices out there for them now. Absolutely. Um, and I think people are choosing that with their feet. So it's important, I think. And, and I really think managers are kind of the sweet layer of who you need to love on and teach this to. And the kindness needs to be something they feel themselves so that they can then give that to their employees. I agree. However, I would say this too. Here's the caveat to this. All those folks in those C-suites and the higher level positions maybe have departed or gotten so far away from being in the trenches, understanding what that's like, that maybe we need to bring them down to, to understand where the value is because the value is established by those that either own the business, run the business. And so what are the values of that company? And I would say that for folks looking at new jobs, going to new companies, or even starting their own company, what is your value set? Do you value kindness? Mm -hmm. And that is so important to look at. You know, what is your values and how do those values align with maybe the company that you're starting or the company that you want to work for? Yeah, for sure. And I totally agree with you, um, Summer. I think that if a leader has gotten so far away from what it's like to work in the trenches, if that's what we're going to call it, they need to have ways that they are talking to those employees. If there are listening sessions, town halls, and I've seen that happen as well as we've, you know, been in this sort of work from home environment. A lot of organizations that I've been hired maybe to do a town hall for them to set the stage about talking about kindness and you have to know what's going on for your employees. And if you're so far removed from that, that you don't, you won't know the challenges they're having. There won't be any way you can fix it. I want to just give you, I know I've shared this on other podcasts, but um, early in the pandemic, there was a company out here, smallish company. So it was, you know, I think there was relationships with the CEO to the employees and he was very hands-on, but some of the employees out here, the headquarters was in downtown Portland, Oregon, and was empty because everybody was working from home. And many of his staff members had children. And they were saying, you know, we can't handle the child's care and do our jobs. And so he hired a teacher um, and he let the parents drop off their children at their headquarters and have like a school situation so that the people who had kids could go do that and then come home and do their, their job. And, you know, he found a solution for something that was hardest for his employees. Now, I know there are lots of issues around child care transportation for many workers who might be frontline workers or, you know, working in the trenches. And maybe that's something that the CEO or leadership has gotten so far removed from and, or they have somebody else who's a stay at home person who's taking care of that. Let's be honest. And so they don't understand what it's, what the, what the hardships are for maybe their frontline workers. So getting clear about that. And are there any benefits that we could create for our frontline workers that could be really helpful? 
you know, that could be really helpful to what would make their jobs easier. So I think those conversations are starting and I think they're going to need to deepen and to continue. So if you don't have people at the table who are sharing with you and you have no way to gather that information, uh, you're not setting yourself up for learning what really could be helpful. I fully agree. And I like the word deepen, right? Mm -hmm. Those conversations getting a bit deeper Mm -hmm. and that might feel a little uncomfortable. Yep. Because we haven't had those conversations in a while, but we see that they are evolving. And even on, let's say, a site like LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. if you looked at that 10 years ago, you would say from 10 years to now, the look of that, what's being posted today, how people are connecting. It is an incredible place to connect. Yeah. It looks completely different. 100%. I I put a story in the book, the... um, the economy of kindness book about a CEO in England who posted after six months into the pandemic, she was, she was on a zoom call with other CEOs and she was in tears because running a healthcare organization in the spring of 2020, you know, and to the fall was just daunting. And she was honest with her CEO peers about how overwhelmed she was. So she shared that on LinkedIn and the support she got from other people for her vulnerability and her authenticity, going back to the, you know, the comments we just had a few minutes ago, you know, she was wonderfully supported and it just made me realize she was being honest and vulnerable about how hard this was as a leader. And um, later in the book, I think I saw this later on her LinkedIn, I linked into her and I asked her, can I include your story? And it was something that I shared with other audiences, because I think it showed her being a real person and, and struggling with the kind of decision she was having to make in the middle of the pandemic. But her team gave her um, a Christmas present, like later that same December. And it was like a button that said kind, but badass. <laughs> so <laughs> I just loved that because it just showed that, you know, she was a real person really trying to lead with kindness and empathy, even though it was really, really hard. Oh my goodness. I love that. Thank you for sharing that story. Now I'm going to ask you with the book, the economy of kindness, how kindness can transform your bottom line. What would you say is one thing that you'd like people to walk away with after reading this book? One thing, no, one thing, (laughs) (laughs) one thing. I know there are many things. I know. Let me think. I just, I guess I want to bring to the forefront that it is not that hard to start these conversations. You know, it might be, um, it might be a switch of just the way you phrase things. It might be a, a conversation with different people in your organization, but the ideas I think, and, and also I'm a storyteller because I'm a speaker. So I, I told, I make my points through stories and I got to share a lot of the incredible stories I had heard over the last, um, you know, five, eight years. So I hope that that's what people will walk away with is the story will illustrate the point that they can do that same thing within their organization. And I know that's very vague. I haven't given you a clear, um, but I do, I do include pro tips in there, you know, ways that you can recognize your staff. Why is it kindness important? Well, you want to have, be able to recruit great talent and you want to be able to retain them. Those are like my two biggest reasons why I think kindness is important to your bottom line, because we know that revolving door costs a lot of of money, you know, and isn't good for your clients or your uh, customers or, or your employees really. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say one thing I'm sure you walk away with is how you can implement kindness into your new culture. And so I think that is spectacular. So this is going to be a real important tool for so many. So thank you for writing that book. Where can folks find these books? 
it's on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. Um, it's also on Ingram Sparks, which is another distributor. Mm-hmm. It is not, not in bookstores exactly, but you could also um, reach out to me if you'd like to, if you're interested in buying additional copies to give out to a leadership team or some kind of an event. We have bulk, you know, bulk pricing for more than 50 books. So awesome. Okay. So as we come to the close of this interview, my last question is, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? All right. My words of wisdom. The first is number one, the size of the kindness doesn't necessarily matter. Don't think you have to move mountains, create a nonprofit, solve all the world problems to make a difference. That small little act of kindness you do for someone on a day when they're having something going on can be epic. Second, there's often a ripple effect when we do that act of kindness. We may not know it. We may never know the the benefit of it, but there's often a ripple effect. And that's one of the things that's cool for me is to get to hear those later on. You know, 10 years later, I get to hear the story about the manager who let the retail gal fly home for Christmas. And, you know, 10 years later, she gets to share that. So that's kind of cool. And then the final thing is giving and receiving feel different. Sometimes people think it's easier to be the giver of kindness, you know, but receiving kindness is just as important. And so if you are ever in an opportunity, you've had a loss or you are struggling with something and someone wants to give to you, be receptive, allow them to do what they kind of naturally want to do. And I don't even want to get on my soapbox about what I, I believe most humans are kind and good and want that no matter what the media or social media seems to be showing these days. Um, and I say that thank you is a complete sentence. So say thank you when somebody gives to you and, and receive graciously. Mm. Thank you, Linda, for joining me on the core women podcast today. This has been really awesome. Thank you so much, Summer. It's been so fun to talk with you again. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow Linda Cohen on LinkedIn at Linda M. Cohen, on Facebook at Linda Cohen Consulting, on Twitter at Mitzvahs, and Instagram at Kindness from Cohen. Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love, and Money Collective, a Core Women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.